Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. The home of Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. Is KJ and Lions. KJ Carson and John Lyons right now on WEEI. Second hour of KJ and Lions on WEEI 617-779-7937, the Ford Clubhouse Fenway Studio, brought to you by your New England Ford dealers where they are celebrating Truck Month. Defeat any task with the capability and technology of Ford F-Series, America's in-stock and best-selling trucks for 46 years straight. John, it's just, it, this is fascinating, fascinating what Gary Washburn had mentioned, and it's been reported that there, there's some type of issue between Malcolm Brogdon and the Boston Celtics, and it doesn't necessarily have to do with his, his name being the center of a trade piece, but over his elbow. And, and I do wonder... If if Brogdon feels, and I can't speak for him, that as the narrative started to come out like, well, Brogdon disappeared in the playoffs, and that it was slow to say, well, hey, look, his arm is worse than it is. I never was one that said, hey, he disappeared, this is what it is. If you're injured, you usually can't contribute especially. And I think maybe part of it is Brogdon still went out there with the injury, and maybe there's no feeling of Thanksgiving. Yeah, and Brogdon, I don't think he disappeared – at all, it was more an injury situation. In right. the second round against Philly, he had 16 points per game and shot over 52% from three-point. I mean, he was great in that second round against Philly. And then against Miami, he re-aggravated that, I think it was a tendon tear, and missed game six, was not really effective for game seven because he was still hurt. But I don't look at it as the guy disappeared. He played great up until he re-aggravated that injury early in the Miami series. Yeah, but, uh, you know, when, when Brad Stevens' name is mentioned and then you also mentioned Joe Mazzulla, and Joe Mazzulla makes some comments about uh, it, it, admitting that some, uh, some type of healing process has to begin, I do wonder how how much of a control Joe Mazzulla will have over this squad. I think this season is really going to be the year where either Joe Mazzulla is the guy or isn't the guy, and it's going to be determined right away. I think because yeah. of what he was able to do last year, he saved face for the organization and put them in an advantageous position with the whole MA situation. But if it if it if it shows that things are not gelling, and especially if it happens early on, because the Celtics have this tendency sometimes to disappear in November, I think those things start to point towards Missoula and does he really command the locker room? 
And we've also seen the Celtics take serious steps to upgrade that coaching staff around them. They bring in Charles Lee. They bring in Sam Cassell. And those are guys that I think are really strong voices on that coaching staff. Because you mentioned the leadership thing, right? Like you add two high-profile, strong-voice assistant coaches, and you trade away your on-court leader in Marcus Smart. So it's kind of a turnover to me where they're looking, and they sign Brown to the Supermax, Tatum's a back-to-back All-NBA player. Those guys, I think they look at as, hey, it's their team, and now we have assistance behind Missoula. Like, I think they're setting it up for a shift, if you will, in what the leadership structure has been. Because I think you're right. Missoula's biggest thing last year is he made sure they didn't implode after what happened you know, in training camp having to change coaches. Right. Now it's the next step of, okay, he's got a r- little bit of a revamp roster, two stronger assistants around him. Is he going to take that step and be that stronger leader that we saw from Udoka when they went to the finals a couple years ago? But the two assistants that they bring in are two guys that have actively been names for head coaching positions yep. in the league. And so for me, it, it, it's almost kind of like, I don't know, choose any sinister movie where someone's on the ship and someone's, you know, the Tom Hanks movie who says, I am the captain now. Like, if things don't gel well, is there a possibility that Cassell steps right into that seat because Cassell has been here before with, with Doc Rivers? So, again, I almost wonder if, if, if Joe Mazzulla is still kind of on a probationary period by having two assistants who are just ready to become heads coaches right away I, I, that I find kind of fascinating. It's you know when David when Damon Stoudemire left to go to Georgia Tech, I felt like that kind of took all the wind out of the sail of what was, and now we're trying to f- find out what is or what could be, and I think Brogdon may be hinting at that because it's one it's one thing to say that hey I'm not even bothered about my name being in a trade says to me that hey if, if you're going to ship me again I'm okay with that because something in front of me I'm not really keen with. I remember Brogdon was a was a guy who during the Miami series and I think after it as well publicly said, "Hey, we got away from our identity, which was defense first last yep. year." And he and he did say, "Hey, I wasn't here last year, but the Celtics' identity was defense first, and we got away from that." And by the way, I think he's right about that, yeah. and I think he was right. But for him to say that, I think is something that I'm sure was not the thing that Missoula and the front office wanted to hear, even though he was correct. Like, I think that's something they probably didn't want to hear him say publicly. But I also think, like, I don't see this really affecting him and them on the court this year. Like, once they get going, I just really don't see it having a major. I'm I'm not saying it's going to have a 0% effect. I just don't really see it having a major effect. But then I would have to go back to the the original failed trade with the Clippers that was going to send Brogdon to, to L.A., and still bring Prozingas here, they were able to do it in a different way. And if you're okay with that, think about it. Brogdon is the only free agent that came to the team after Missoula's first year coaching. So you well, almost, they traded for him. So right, right. They so went out and got him. They went out and got him. So you, you figure that this is a guy who says, I want to go play for this guy, performed well enough to be the sixth man of the year last year, but is now feeling some type of different way. I would be concerned because... With Daniil Gallinari gone, and we never got to see what he could be off of the bench with scoring, Brogdon is your first option off the bench for scoring now. Like, there's no question about it. Marcus Smart, you know, while he could contribute points, I thought he should have been more of a of a of a of a bench player than a starter. I really always thought that Brogdon should have been the starter to get the scoring out there up front. Uh, so Brogdon is very key because he's got to pick up 
what little that you would get from Marcus Smart in offense, plus along with his offense as well, and pair that defense up with with White to cover what's gone with Marcus Smart. And I do wonder, with this injury coming in the Miami series, is it kind of a process to work him back, though? Because he played 67 games last year. That was the second most of his career. He has had injury problems. He has missed quite a bit of time. And, KJ, I know this is sound obvious, but if I had the choice between slow walking him to start the year and he's healthy in May, I'll take that 100 times out of 100 anyway. But I think this is a team that, with the additions they've made and with the coaching staff additions they've made too, it's not – they don't have to get off to a great start like they'll be fine, but I think it would be important for them to get off to a good start and play well together and kind of build on success together earlier in the year with some of these new pieces. Yeah, but you don't think the noise gets kind of loud if Missoula now, as the as the head dog, you know what I mean? Like Because, again, if the team had started slow last year, you would have totally understood because of all the circumstances that were going on that were bigger than basketball. Now you don't have that, and if this team does start slow – is that more of a pressure for Missoula than it is for, say, Brogdon to hurry up and get back and help out? Oh, I agree. I think it's definitely more of a pressure for Missoula in that case. Yeah, because I, I think, look, if they start slow, and let's say there's no significant injury, right? Like, they're all healthy, they're all playing, and they're still not playing well, then yeah, I mean, I think then pressure starts to build on Missoula. I do think, though, like, he's Brad Stevens' guy, and, and I think he's like, I don't think his job's in jeopardy unless they're a total disaster early in the year. But I think the pressure starts to build if they're fully healthy, if Brogdon's back and Porzingis starts the year fully healthy and they're not playing well, then I think that's logically where everyone's going to look is, hey, you had a coach that went to the finals. Now you have this new guy who you faded at the end of last year and now you're not starting off well. That's where the eyes are going to go. Well, yeah, but the other part of it is, you know, that, you know, um, with Brown and his Supermax, like if he's not happy during the course of the year, or it ends abruptly, and and you take the things that may have been uncomfortable in the beginning of the season, and let's just say they stop short again, getting to the NBA Finals. Now you have a bigger issue. Like, is is Missoula now part of something that players don't want to be a part of? That, that was different than what they chose for themselves because the players chose MA, right? Or is it a situation where, you know, okay, maybe Joe isn't just ready for prime time as much as we thought he was. Do you potentially move him as Brad's assistant up upstairs with him, and then, or, or you, or you say, hey, look, because I, I, the team is in an urgent portion of its career now. Tatum and Brown are in urgent portions of their career, and so anything, and usually, and this has happened in the past, right? If you look at Michael Jordan, he can only go so far with Doug Collins. It's when Phil Jackson comes in, he's got to mature guys around him. He can win titles. Same thing with the Lakers. Even if you look at <clears throat> the situation. And the Celtics are a bit different because you had lineage consistently stepping in there. Bill Fitch is really the only one who wasn't part of that lineage. I'm really going into the library here. But I think it's the same thing with the Celtics. I think at some point management has to say, if you cannot get to the NBA Finals and at least get it to seven games, we're going to have to believe that someone who's of a higher pecking order from the coaching realm is going to have to come in and take over the team. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is going to go to how are they playing, not just wins and losses, but stylistically. Because Brogdon, I mentioned earlier, his comments about, hey, we got away from playing really tough defense. Like Porzingis is a much better defender, I think, than people give him credit for. Right. Fourth in the league in points allowed per pick and roll defended last year. Like He's a good defensive player. If they come out and they're playing poorly defensively again or they're having trouble closing out games, like I think to me the biggest reason for that Marcus Smart trade 
is crunch time offense. I mean, they had a lot of struggles in close games in the last five minutes. Or locker room voices. The 2022 playoffs throughout last season, last year's playoffs, they had a lot of struggles when the game was close in the last five minutes. So I think that's a big part of it. So if they are playing poorly defensively or they're still struggling in those last five minutes, then I think, okay, we start to look at what's going on with Missoula. If they are competing and they're looking better stylistically, then I think you know we're having a different conversation and, right. and he's fine. Yeah, I totally agree. KJ and Lions, W-E-E-I, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937, still to come. We'll talk the Patriots game tomorrow with the Jets and give you a score and an outlook, plus the Deion Sanders effect on college football. That's all still to come. And the parody song about the Patriots and all I hear from the fan base. That's about 30 minutes away, but right now it's time to trend with Stiz. Your home of the Sox. Now, here's what's trending on WEEI. The Red Sox beat the White Sox last night 3-2 at Fenway Park. Chris Sale went five innings, had seven strikeouts. Matsutaka Yoshida had an RBI single, which led Devers bringing in the winning run in the bottom of the eighth. The two teams will run it back today for the second of the three-game series. First pitch at 4-10. Nick Pavetta will take the mound for your Boston Red Sox. He'll be facing Dylan Cease for Chicago. Will Fleming and Joe Castiglione will have the call for you right here on the Shaw's and Star Market, WEI Red Sox Network. Shaw's perfecting the art of fresh. Cooper Boardman will get you ready for the game starting at 3-10 with the Mass Mutual pregame show, Mass Mutual Insurance Planning Investments. The Pats continue to get ready for their Week 3 tilt against the Jets down at MetLife Stadium. Kickoff Sunday at 1 p.m. The Pats have five players listed as questionable, including Mike on Wenner with an ankle, Cole Strange with a knee, Sidney Sow with a concussion, Christian Barmore also with a knee, and Jonathan Jones with an ankle. Cornerback Marcus Jones is on the injured reserve list after suffering a shoulder injury during last weekend's home loss to the Dolphins. The Pats have also signed Bengals backup quarterback Will Greer to their 53-man roster. It's likely that Greer will be the number three quarterback behind Bailey Zappi. few great college football games to watch today. Number four, Florida State is at Clemson. Number 19, Colorado at number 10, Oregon. Number 15, Ole Miss at number 13, Alabama. Number six, Ohio State at number nine, Notre Dame. And the BC Eagles is at Louisville, which you can listen to on WEI 8.50 a.m. starting at 3.30. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More KJ and John Lyons after this. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
KJ and Lions on WEEI. You mentioned the challenges the Jets present mentally. I know I think you've spoken, and at least Bill has to kind of a do what we do defense. So what were those challenges mentally for, for you? Yeah, um, they obviously I've had a chance to play against this defense a lot, but um, they've done a great job. They affect the quarterback. They push the pocket. Um, they're relentless. They run to the ball. They do everything right. So um, it's a big challenge uh, for me. Like I said, I'm going to focus on each play, regardless of the situation. I'm uh, going to go out there and execute my job and hopefully bring everybody with me. Ah, <laughs> KJ Lions, WEEI, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. That's Mac Jones letting us know what he has to do against the Jets. And I say to you, John Lyons, this Patriots team, 30-30, third down attempts, converted only 12 of them. 40% third down conversion rate is not going to win you games in the NFL. Believe it or not, that's still a lot better than last year. Last year they were 34%. So. Well, last year was uh, a losing low season bar, too. Low bar, low bar, low bar. I, know, I'm just, <laughs> I was just looking that up when you said it. I was just like, oh, I wonder how that compares to last year. Neither one's good. Yeah, look, I think <laughs> this is a team that we talked about this early. Like they have to methodically go down the field, right? And they have to make, you know, hey, we got a 12-play drive, a 13-play drive, a 10-play drive. Can they get an explosive player to against the Jets? Because I think – Look, if you have to go on a 12-play drive against a team in the Jets that's allowing three and a half yards per carry against the run and sacked Mac Jones 12 times in two games last year, it's going to be difficult. Not saying they can't score, not saying they can't win, but it's going to, it's difficult in any circumstance, but especially against a defensive line that good and front seven that good. So I think they need to find somewhere some sort of explosive play at least once or twice during this game to A, move the ball and score, but B, just to keep that Jets defense back a little bit because if you just let them start coming, it's going to be tough for you to move the ball and score. Well, what the Patriots did last year, they were second only to, the I think, the Bengals in setting up the offense with great field position, and yet it would never convert, and that's happening again. Look, where the Patriots' average start line for, the, for, for, for their drives is their own 33-and-a-half. Put that in perspective, the Jets are starting at their own 26 uh, the Raiders at twenty five at their own twenty five. The Jags at their own thirty two and a half. Right, so you're up there with some. The Saints at thirty one and a half. The Bucks at their own thirty. The Patriots twenty five percent of their scoring of their drives end up in scoring. Only worse are the Bengals who are zero and two, and the Steelers who are one and one who who are trying to figure some things out. So again, if you're going up against the defense like you are with the Jets. I feel like it's going to be more of a replay of last year's game where it something a miracle is going to have to happen, right? You've just got two bad quarterbacks back there. If anything, I would say what makes last year's game not like this year's game is that the, the Jets have a two-headed running monster with Dalvin Cook and with Brees Hall. And that is a concern, especially after you saw what happened in the Miami game and how Mostert just seemed to be just seemed to be like Jesse Owens out there. So I'm a bit concerned that the Jets will be able to lean on their running game and be effective with it and not have to put the ball in Zach Wilson's hands as much. It's a big day for the Patriots' defensive line. I mean, Dwayne Brown, the Jets' starting left tackle, is going to be out. We know about the uncertainties with Zach Wilson, and you're right. Brees Hall's a guy, he may have won Rookie of the Year last year if he didn't get hurt, and his teammate Garrett Wilson ended up winning it, and he's looked explosive this year. Like, this is a big day 
I think, for the Patriots' defensive line because they really didn't look good against the run against Miami, especially on the edges. And then when they finally tried to correct on the edges, Mostert went up the middle for 43 yards and a touchdown. Like, this is something that I thought the Patriots' defensive line looked great in week one against an elite-level Philly offensive line. We didn't see it carry over enough in week two. I think it's an important week for them, especially if we're going to have some bad conditions and some rain that it looks like it may be tomorrow. So you're talking about possession, and the run game has to be on top of things. So if I told you that the top team, the, ran, the they have the highest average drive time of about three minutes and fifty seconds, right? How how many minutes? In, how many minutes do you think the Patriots have it? Give a rough take per drive. Yeah, uh, nine and a half. No, I'm talking about like the high team has three is a three minute drive, three minutes fifty second drive. Where do you think the Patriots are? They're clearly not near the top. No, that's what I'm saying. I think they take way longer. So I think they're way they're near the bottom. Yeah, that two minutes twenty seven seconds per drive. Oh, I thought you meant per scoring drive because it takes oh, no. them so long to score. Yeah, yeah, per overall drive. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah, you're right. Two minutes twenty seven seconds. So look with the run game. Yeah, this is why I said you have to get back to the run game. It hasn't been there. So you know, like other than the, the fumble that Zeke had in week one. You've got two guys back there that have been able to show you and get you, you know, chunks of yards. Why are we not? Why are we not seeing that being leaned on more? Maybe that's what you you have to do it tomorrow in the weather. Because if you're going to tell me that Mac Jones, who doesn't have the strongest of arms, I say it's a little more. It could be more accurate than it is strong. Accuracy kind of goes out of the window in 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 bad weather games. You have to get that ball in there strong, or you may find yourself in a lot of tip drill situations, pickoffs where you don't want to find an underthrown receiver. So if I'm going to have to lean, if I'm going to say like, okay, I need Mac Jones to be precise and and be, you know, have zip on the ball tomorrow or, or lean on the run game, hand that ball off. We do not need to see you throw it 40 times tomorrow. Yeah. And they, I think a huge part of their running game issues is they have not had any holes to run through. I mean, they've been getting pushback all the time. And another part of this, which I think is important, is what did we hear in training camp, right? Oh, they want to get back to Alabama Mac. They want to run RPOs all over the place, and we saw (laughs) some of it in the preseason. And I'm not saying, like, they've run RPOs in the first two weeks, but the first part of RPO is run. And if you have no threat to run the ball, it's really difficult to run RPOs because it's different than play action, right? Like play action, you can set up a whole fake. You can get defenders to bite. An RPO is, hey, I'm putting the ball in the running back's gut, and I'm deciding in a split second – is my read telling me to pass or is it telling me to run? Yeah. And because there's no threat of the run, if a linebacker's standing there, he's not going to step up to stop the run because he's not worried about it anyway. So you really can't run RPOs nearly as effectively as you wanted to because there's no real threat. You're actually going to run the ball well. Yeah, Patriots only have about 146 rushing yards so far this season. 617-779-7937, text line 37937, KJ and Lions. Let's go to TJ in Connecticut. TJ, thanks for giving a call, giving us a call today. Uh, you got it, guys. I wanted to talk a little bit about Bill Belichick. I love Gonzalez as the first pick, but uh, I would have picked the tackle, and I would have picked the first two picks for tackles because I don't think that we have enough time in the backfield, and we have uh, at least one really good runner back, and I think maybe Zeke is going to be uh, good enough but we can't create a hole to, to put anybody through it. So you can have a great defense all you want, but at some point you got to score points. Yeah, TJ, thanks for the call. I totally agree, John, because think back to the draft where the Patriots exchange pick positions with the Steelers so the Steelers can move up to get an offensive tackle. 
uh, so that way the Jets couldn't get him. But my thing was like, but you need an offensive tackle. Like, why not go get an offensive tackle at that spot? Because I believe that you can coach up any any defender that you get, where no matter where in the draft or if they even not even drafted, and perform inside of his system. So again, here we are talking about the offensive line. And it, it, now here's the thing. Last year was like, well, Patricia and Judge and everything. Well, like, okay, you can take out Patricia and Judge, and we still have the same issues as last year. So while, yes, there was bad play calling, I'll put it this way, there were guys who could not call plays last year, but you had guys who were not able to keep the quarterback upright. Now you still have the same problem. So, again, like you mentioned with the RPO, you've got to fake me out with the run for the pass option. And they're, they're not running the ball. And I would think as an offensive lineman, you would want to push downhill than to have to backpedal to defend. Yeah, and I think when it comes to like the investment there at tackle, I, I think Christian Gonzalez was 100% the right pick in the first round, and I do that 100 times out of 100. What I look at is second round, third round, fourth round. We didn't see that. Like Dewan Jones is the starting right tackle for the Browns, and he's actually pass blocking pretty well so far this year. They picked him in the fourth round. Instead, the Patriots took a kicker in the fourth round. And Chad Ryland may have a good career and be a good player, but you couldn't have got a kicker later and instead taken a guy like Dewan Jones in the fourth round? Or or Cody Motch, who was a tackle that went a few picks after they drafted Keon White but in John, the second round? Like, the team, there, but there's option, there were options there. They've got a first-round round, offensive round, line round. problem. Right, like it's they had a first-round first corner problem too. Like that's also that was a huge problem last year when they faced talented receivers who were big. They could not cover them. Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Garrett Wilson. They had some trouble with when he wasn't getting thrown to by Zach Wilson. That was like if they had taken a tackle in round one, we would sit here and say, "Oh wow, they couldn't cover Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, and they got smoked on defense in week two. Like no, one way or the I, other, I, I, I we think, would be having that problem. I, I think the conversation we would be having is we're seeing an improved match. Jones because there's improved line play right even if that line play is even if the line play is stronger on the left at least that you know that his blind side is covered and that's and that you've got a running back who can definitely pound the hole going to that side right so the offense would be out there more they wouldn't be spending only two minutes and 27 seconds and then hopping off of the field again I like I've said Belichick has had the ability to get guys in later rounds on the defensive side of the ball, especially corners and safeties, that can perform well and above expectation. I would have trusted him more so to find a fourth-round cornerback and going with a first-round offensive line. Look, I'm not knocking the Christian Gonzalez pick. He was the best guy on the board. But they did need an offensive lineman and never really got one. And so now we still have the same problems you see from last year this year. Right, but that's why I'm saying like they still could have got one in the second, third, or fourth round, and they chose not to but, invest. And I know he came on here and said, oh, we picked multiple linemen. Like, City So, the last time he played tackle before this year was 2018 in college. So they didn't really draft anyone who was a real tackle in this draft. I think they thought Calvin Anderson and Riley Reef would do the job, and of course Reef got hurt, and Anderson's been bad. Okay, but, like, so let me ask you, let, let me you ask could you this, have invested John. that. Let me ask you. Would you trust Belichick to find a fourth-round offensive gem or fourth-round defensive gem? On the line, he's done both. Like to me, that's a false choice. Like he's done, he's found great late-round defensive backs, and he's found great 
late round offensive lineman. I mean, Mike Onwenu was a sixth round pick. He's the best lineman they have, and he's really good. So well, like I, David Andrews is undrafted. <laughs> like right. David Andrews is undrafted, and, and he's been a great player for years. So like, and the one time they did go first round off it, not one time, but recently, Cole Strange, he's good, but he's not. I, he's not as good as player at his position as Christian Gonzalez is. I know it's not apples to apples completely, but like I look at the criticism I have is they tried to invest in free agency and tackle, and the two guys they signed were nowhere near top of the market guys. Like even like. Mike McGlinchey got and Joan Taylor got big money, but Caleb McGorry in Atlanta got like three years and fifteen or twenty million, and he's a solid tackle. Like they didn't invest, and then in the draft, they didn't really invest in tackle at all. Like you can tell me, hey, we took three offensive linemen or whatever it was, but none that can really play tackle or ever have outside of City So in twenty eighteen. Right, but you mentioned these tackles that were taken in later rounds. Who was the quarterback at the time? Right in twenty twenty was well, Cam well, Newton. Okay. Okay, so we're really coming right off of the Tom Brady year. So as you're taking somebody, you're bringing somebody new in, okay? But in terms of historically, like what you're talking about with the draft picks of for the offensive line have not been first-round guys for all those years was because you had the acumen of the quarterback that didn't need top-level first-round can't miss guys to protect them, right? They didn't need Tom Brady didn't need well, a Nate Solder was a first round pick, and they, yeah. I mean, he was, but now how many left years, tackle for 10 years, or but now how many years, how many years ago are we going now? If you're right, talking, but, they, but it's not like they've never done that. I mean, Matt Light was a second round pick, Nate Solder was a first round pick, Isaiah Wynn, who I know didn't work out, but that was a first round pick they tried. Like, I think, but don't like, you think the, they the need it more now than ever? I think the two needs going into last year of corner and tackle in the draft were equal in my eyes. And I, I said at the time, whichever one is the better player in round one, go that position and go the other one in round two or three. And they went with the better guy in Gonzalez in round one, but then in rounds two and three, we didn't see the investment. And I think that's what's frustrating to me is that you had good guys on the board round two, round three, round four, and they just chose not to invest there. And so far... They've paid a price for it. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. KJ and Lions. WEI still to come. 10 minutes away from the uh, latest parody regarding the Patriots. I think this is the first parody of the football season. I mean, yeah, this is the first parody football season. Plus also the Dion effect on college football. Their game is at 3, 3.30 today. So 3.30 because I'm like, yeah, I'll be able to eat and push everybody out of the way in the house and watch the game. Um, So tomorrow... Weather involved, you've got a Zach Wilson situation where, let's call it, this is a must-win for both teams in one regard. For the Jets, they are now on the path of of the biggest resistance, which is they've lost all their mojo, they've lost, they would have lost two straight, and clearly the screams will be Zach Wilson isn't even the temporary guy. Here for the Patriots, I don't think the same screams are going to be like, Mac is not the guy. But it's going to be a question of, hey, if they can't beat the Jets as they're currently constructed, I think it's going to be a tough game, but you'll be surprised at my score, um, that there's a problem. And why can't this team beat the teams they're supposed to be if you need to take care of business with this team that you should? Yeah, And one thing they've done in the post-Brady era is beat teams that they are better than. Right. Like, so right. when it's been the Jets over the years or other teams outside of that Chicago Monday night game last year, pretty much every time in the post Brady era when they've played a team with either a bad quarterback or that they're better than, they've won all those games. And I think right now, like, 
The Jets with Aaron Rodgers are obviously better than the Patriots, but with Zach Wilson, you can say, hey, that's a bad quarterback. This is a game typically the Patriots have won in the last 40 years. So if you don't win that game, not only, yeah, you're 0-3 with two division losses, but then you start to think, wow, if we're not beating teams with guys like Zach Wilson, a quarterback, or bad teams, what does that really say about how good we are as a football team, regardless of what our record is anyway? Yeah, let's go to text line 37937. Stiz, what you got? Okay, KJ, uh, let's go to the 978. Lots of reasons why the Patriots are struggling, and all of them stem from Belichick as the GM. Yeah, I can't disagree with that because, like I said, I, I believe in what choices Bill makes on the defensive side of the ball. I don't. Yeah, I think maybe Albert Hainsworth is the only one that jumps out to me. That's the only one, right? But when it comes to the offensive side of the ball, not only do you have to c- convince him that that's the way to go, but how does he want to use them? I think that's why you don't see a wide receiver one or you don't see a steadying, solid number two quarterback, a veteran quarterback behind Mac Jones, right? Like if you say you go into the season, if you, maybe you're like, okay, what does it take to get Andy Dalton back here just to have him in the room to help build Mac's confidence to know what that level is? If the argument is about improving the quarterback room, then why not go and get the veteran quarterback to back up Mac Jones so that way, if Lord forbid an injury happens, you don't feel as underconfident if something happens. Then, if you like when you've had what, what Bailey Zappi and then before that, Jared Stidham, those have really been your backup quarterbacks. Yeah, and I don't want to either just fully let the players off the hook here, too, because like they've made some serious mistakes in the first two weeks that have cost them games. Like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that. Their offense should have better players, and there's some questions about the roster construction. But, I mean, they've that interception that was thrown to Devontae Parker's way on Sunday night was just awful. That was awful. And the effort by Parker, the fact that he got shoved out of bounds on that play, the throw by Mack under, like, to me, that's nothing to do with your roster construction. The Demario Douglas fumble, that's nothing to do with your roster construction. So uh, I'm not totally disagreeing with the texter here. I just don't want those guys to get let off the hook either. Right? It's the same conversation we have about the Red Sox of, oh, is the roster good enough? And is, you know, what have they put in front of Alex Gore? Well, you have guys making base running mistakes, right? Like, so I don't want to let the players completely off the hook either. All right. Another text is. Uh, let's go to the 508. Defense wins championships. There have been teams that have won with crappy offenses, but always solid top notch defenses. When? Yeah, when did a, that win? crappy the offensive last line. Like, like uh, no, but that's another thing too for me, and I, I don't mean to jump down the texter's throat. But when the last fifteen years of the NFL, pretty much every Super Bowl champion has either had a good quarterback or a good passing game, or at the very least a really good passing defense, like the twenty thirteen Seahawks. Like the passing game is so much more important now than fifteen, twenty, twenty five years ago. You have to be able to throw the ball well and score points if you're going to win a Super Bowl. You know, even if your defense is great. Like, the 2018 Patriots hold the Rams to three points in the Super Bowl. They scored 40 in the divisional round and 37 to win in overtime in the conference championship game. Yeah. So, like, I think that's a little outdated saying, like, oh, if you just have a great defense, they'll be fine. Well, I think the people are still thinking about the Trent Dilfer-led uh, Ravens. Of yeah, you're what, right. That's, that's that the best 02, example. Right? Like where, 2000. 2000, right. So you're talking about a team 23 years ago and think about how differently the game is from 23 years ago to where it is now. All these teams that are winning, like you said, they have an effective quarterback. A lot of these teams, they may seem pass-happy during the regular season. You can go and look at numbers to show that they'll get 90 to 100 yards on the ground in the playoffs. 
So, yeah, defense does win championships, but so does a good running game and a good quarterback. So that's why I think the Patriots may be just another quarterback away. If you've got the defense and you've got a, a solid running game, I think you have to make a decision here sooner than later if this is the quarterback. And I don't think money has to be the issue. I think the fan base has to get over, hey, look, just because you know Tom was only going to be 25. That ship has sailed. The money is a lot different now because what Mac is going to get if they give him a fifth year or extend him is going to be more than the 25 mil that pay, that Brady that they wouldn't give Brady. So some so either Mac or somebody else is going to get that 25 million you hang that people are hanging on to. Yeah, look at the Daniel Jones contract. Like, <laughs> Was it 40? Yeah, he's not that good and they gave right. him a ton of money. And it's just that's the going rate now too is like quarterbacks are really expensive which why I think is extra important that you get it right. And extra important why this year, or I should say why this year is extra important in the future of Mac Jones' career because it is such an investment. you got to get it right. And this year is going to tell us a lot, I think. All right, we'll get to more of your comments next, plus the parody song about the Patriots, and we get ready for Red Sox pregame here on WEEI. Thanks so much for hanging out with KJ and Lions. Good Saturday to you. We're back to KJ and Lions on WEEI. I'm sure you hear all the speculation, just two wins in, people talking, you know, NFL might come knocking. I never do that. You prefer college, right? I love college. I love the the, the young men are still impressionable. They're not so financially wealthy that they can't hear you at the next level. Some of these guys make so much money, they can't hear. They can't hear or they can't see the things that they need to see and hear. And I, I, it, I would have a hard time motivating a man that makes – you know, upwards to 20 and 30 and, and sometimes $40 million to go out there and do your job. I got a problem with that. KJ and Lions, WEEI. Good Saturday to you. 617-779-7937. We'll get to your text messages shortly. 37937. That is Deion Sanders discussing him not wanting to go to the NFL. John, to put in perspective, the Deion Sanders effect, let's take away the money because some people believe that money might be up to $90 million he's made just for the University of Colorado in three games. Like, think about it. We could run a contest here on WEEI, fly to Colorado for a game experience with, with Fourier and, and Arcan, and that would go through the roof, right, because that's just how big he has become now. When the ratings came out, and I have my feelings about ratings, but this is very interesting, the 10 o'clock game, 10 p.m. Eastern, against Colorado State, nearly 2-1 to one outviewed the Georgia-South Carolina game from 3 o'clock that day and wasn't losing audience share until 2 in the morning because people fell asleep. Yeah, I was one of those people, too. Yeah, I stayed up to 2.45 watching a Colorado-Colorado State game. I'll tell you right now, networks are salivating trying to figure out what school can we send him to for prime time, is there any coaches in trouble? You know, what about UCLA? Do they really like Chip Kelly out there? You know, so to have the highest watched college football game start at 10 p.m. against a team that I only know of it because I know a guy that played college basketball there like 20 years ago. That is absolutely fascinating. And and look, people are ready for the game that's coming at 3:30. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you what, I'm ready for the game coming at 3.30. I'm looking forward to it. And it's the first time in my life, KJ, that I can say I'm looking forward to a Colorado football game. And no disrespect right. to them. It's just they haven't been on the radar at all. I mean, so I'm really looking forward to how do they play against Oregon? Because I think, or look, TCU, I know, came off the national championship game last year and was a top 25 team. 
But this Oregon team is the best team that they've played so far this year. And yeah. I'm really interested to see, and it's conference game, how do they stack up against one of the big dogs in the Pac-12, which, by the way, Pac-12 so far having one of its best starts to a season ever and what will probably be its last season ever. Just like a marriage. Like, oh, the best yeah. years were the last two years we were together. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I, don't, I mean, but it's really – I think it's been a really fun thing for college football. With the, and, and if you think about it, like, I know it makes some people maybe uncomfortable, but – like, what have they done? They haven't done anything. Bit. Like, they, they don't play dirty. They don't go over the top of trash right. talk. They haven't had any recruiting violations or campus violations. Like, they just go out there and they talk a little bit more trash and Dion's a little bit more pol- or a lot more polarizing than your typical college head coach. But, like, so what? I mean, yeah. like, I, I think it's been a fun thing for college football. And I say that as someone who spent years of my life coaching college football. Right. I think it's been a fun thing for college football. Yeah, I think it's been a fun thing for really those who don't even follow college football. I, that's the only way you get numbers like that at 10 o'clock at night is yeah. people who are generally not even watching the game, taking an interest in the game. Now, do I believe they beat Oregon today? I don't think so. But let that game be close going into the fourth quarter and what the narrative may be moving forward because there is a belief, and it's not a far-off belief, that this week is a loss and possibly next week against USC is also a loss. But let it be a 1-1 split. Now you're going to start having conversation about how do you get Colorado, because let's just call it what the rankings are kind of a political thing, right? How do you now get that juggernaut of money-making machine of Colorado into one of the top bowl games? You won't be able to get them into the championship playoff, but you will be saying how do you get them into the biggest possible showcase bowl game on New Year's Day just because of the audience that they bring along with them? So. I think that has. I think what that's placated on, and John, you can tell me one way or another because you're a college football guy. I believe that if if Colorado only loses three games this year, they will get to be able to play the best two loss team this year. So right now, like if Clemson loses to Florida State today, and Clemson doesn't lose for the rest of the season, you may see Colorado versus Clemson as a bowl game on New Year's Day, and that would be astronomically huge. Yeah, I think. It, I mean, if they can find their way into a New Year's Six bowl. I think the ratings would rival that of the actual college football playoff. I, I think that's how better, big. Yeah. And you might be right. Yeah, it pro- probably could be better. I mean, that's how big of a story this is. But you know what, Cage? I wouldn't even be shocked if they play like a bowl game on the evening of December 28th or something, and it's still one of the highest rated bowl games of the entire bowl season because I think that's the level of interest they draw. And also, too, like the fact that they're winning these games. Oh, right? no, it's John, not just like their ad front. rates work. <laughs> it, it's they not want just... those January 1st ad rates where yeah. they've got all those eyes. For sure, for sure. And and I think not only is it a fun story, but then on top of it, like they're actually playing good football and winning games. So yeah. for like the ratings and the networks, this is a dream scenario. You have a team that is playing good football and winning, but on top of it are probably the most entertaining story in all of sports right now. All right, we're about three minutes away from the latest parody involving the Patriots. It's the season debut of, well, I won't even tell you the name of it. That's in two minutes. Uh, Stiz, let's get a couple more texts from the listeners. Yeah, 37937. Got, got some good ones coming in. So let's piggyback off the Dion conversation. 413 just texted in. Dion makes it all about him with the glasses and buying the whole team glasses. It's just publicity. He's not good for college football. There's no humility. No, he's just not good for you. That's well, I also is. think, and look, I understand <laughs> that right. line of thinking to a point, but it's not like he is 
disparaging or talking trash about other people or his opponents. Right. Like the the other coach said something, so he played off it. Like it's like that's the difference. Like if he was going up there every week and saying, "Oh, like my opponents blow," or "Those receivers aren't good," or "That right. coach doesn't know," he's, like that's not having humility and that's being a jerk. I don't. He just said, "Whoa, hey, what did he say?" I'm coming. I'm coming. We're gonna be good. Hey, we'll save receipts. Like yeah. he didn't say, "Hey, you guys are you know th- these teams we're playing are terrible." No, he just he's going off what people have said to him, and that's see to me that that's an important difference. Yeah. Next text. Uh, Texter in the 401, imagine Belichick, the GM, moves on from Mac Jones and Mac goes and wins a Super Bowl with Minnesota or Denver. Uh, nah. Wouldn't, wouldn't bet on that. Yeah, I don't think so. I think if, 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 if Mac is not picked up, I don't think he gets picked up as the starting QB for someone else. He may be the guy that becomes competitive for a quarterback position. At much less, at much lower money, kind of like a Baker Mayfield situation, where hey, you kind of, kind of show your earnings in a situation where, you know, like look, if he goes like to the, as the number two guy in Arizona, whoever they get, he may end up becoming the quarterback in Arizona if that's what it happens. But I don't think Belichick moves in the upstairs chair solo, and Mac Jones goes on to this great level of you know superstardom. One more. Uh, Belichick inexplicably let our most productive wide receiver last season go to the Raiders for essentially the same deal he signed Juju for, mm. and see. And it seems Juju will not be able to match the production that Jacoby Myers would have delivered. Bill must be held accountable. Yeah, John, I think when you take a, a, he was his he was Mac Jones' security blanket, and if you said let's say you probably have a better receiving core if you have Myers and Bourne that Mac Jones has a rapport with, and maybe the offense comes off a little more fluid, there's a little more trust going downfield. I I think the jury is still out on Juju Smith-Schuster, but right now the evidence that's coming in isn't great. Yeah, if I'm being honest, I was a proponent of signing Smith-Schuster over Jacoby Myers. So far, it looks like I'm wrong. We'll see if it continues that way. But the big reason why is Juju Smith-Schuster is much better running after the catch than Jacoby Myers, and I thought that would be a big asset for them to have. But so far, outside of one good run after the catch against the Eagles, we haven't got that. So I think that's, that is something to really watch here. Because like I said, I was a supporter of that move, and if I end up being wrong, I'll stand up and say I was wrong. But it's something that they made a distinct choice there. And so far, it doesn't look like a good one. Now, that could change, but I think that is something the texter's right. we got to really monitor that one. All right, KJ and Lions, we're still about three minutes away from our predictions of what will happen in the game tomorrow with the Jets. But right now, it's time for Ain't Nothing But Excuses, baby. Hit it, Stiz. Uh, I'm hearing him. Uh, Cole Strange had the first down. Uh, If the pick six wasn't thrown. Ain't nothing but excuses, baby. That's what they are. One, two, three, and to the four. Add an exponent for excuses. That's the law. Gonna tell the fan base some truthful stuff. And I won't mention Max back up. Get the pass the ball first, and it brushed like a bubble. Like a stall green line train, man. This offense is in trouble. Ain't nothing but excuses, baby. Offense play calling lazy. Always throwing near the line. That's crazy. Arms fadeable, so don't throw that corner fade. But I'm back to the lecture at hand. A third down halfback toss, man, I don't understand from a Pats fan's perspective. The offense looking scared like Kardashian contraception. Lost at a rap convention. And putting all the blame on the offensive protection. And at the same time, hugging on Mac, cuddling Mac, testing on sacks. Yeah. The fan base want another playoff run. Ain't no more wins gonna get that done. 
It's like this and like that and like this and uh Excuse for last year and this year and uh It's like this and like that and like this and uh Excuse for last year and this year and uh You hear that scream? <laughs> That's the frustrated plan! Why are we making excuses? Your record says who you are. You are. Ain't nothing but excuses. That's all I'm hearing, right? Like, either you're 0-2 or you're not 0-2. However, I do not think this team will go 0-3 against the Jets. So I I do have them beating the Jets tomorrow, but it's a low-scoring affair again. It could be bad bad game volume 2, 14-10 Patriots over the Jets. I'm looking at... 24-13 24 to 13 Patriots over the Jets. I, I think they muster away for a few touchdowns and a field goal. And I just think Zach Wilson is going to throw them a pick or two. And that's going to cut, like, maybe they get a pick six or something. And I just think the Jets offense, they looked anemic last week against Dallas. And I know Dallas's defense has a ton of talent, but they looked anemic. And really, outside of one drive for a touchdown against the Bills, which was good, they didn't look that great on Monday night after Zach Wilson took over either. So I just don't really have any faith. And I think the Patriots, it's still going to be a grinded-out type affair. I said in the Lions' den, their offensive line's going to meow and their receivers are going to meow. I think it's going to be a grinded-out type game, but I just I, I really don't have any faith in that Jets offense led by Zach Wilson. Yeah, so how do you come to 24 points if you think the line's going to meow and the Patriots and the, and the receiver's going to meow? That's a so, lot of defensive faith, right? So I, I think they get either a special teams or a defensive touchdown. And then they score Marcus 17 Jones isn't points. There. That I was think last they score story. I think they get 17 points on their own uh, on offense. I, I think it's probably a defensive touchdown, but I think they get 17 points on offense, and then they get a score. Defense or special teams more likely defense to me. Yeah, I say 14-10 because the Patriots will be able to straight up get two touchdowns. I think the Jets will struggle to get two touchdowns. That's why I think it probably the game might be 14-3 at some point, and then 14-10, and then Zach Wilson won't be able to get it down the field. I think really would be. Like it I'd would be, be surprised. Imba- I would that. be surprised, you know, because again, the reason why I think the Jets lost that first game against the Bills after Aaron Rodgers went out is because Josh Wilson probably felt like, hey, as long as Zach Wilson's in this game, I have a chance to do whatever I want to do, like and throw four interceptions. Like, hey, if I didn't throw the fourth interception, we still could have won the game. So I can't see how the Jets get points on the board. Now, what would be scary is if the Jets are able to run the ball and have time of possession and eat up the clock and then put the defense in a situation where they have to pass, only really have to pass defend the Patriots, that's going to be a problem. But I do have to ask Stiz something. Stiz, tell me you were not impressed with that line, one, two, and three, and to the four. Add an exponent for the excuses that's galore. I, I mean, like this one. This was, you know, I think they're all that's good, at least 1,234 but... 1, times 1,234. <laughs> yeah, I like this one. This was a good one, KJ. Yeah, so John, you're welcome to hate them. Dondero hates all of them. That's perfectly fine. I think Dondero hates everything to be fair. Yeah, it's honest. it's perfectly understandable. This is for entertainment purposes only. Don't take it seriously. However, that is a skill craft using up 23 tracks in the studio to make that what what a minute and a half song. That, that's work. That's not easy. That's this is not that comes in my sleep. I heard some reverb in the end there. Yeah, getting creative. I'll like it better if they win tomorrow. So if they win tomorrow, I'll like the parody song. If they lose, I'm going to be like, oh. Well, here's the thing. There's yeah. no. There would be no reason for excuses, right? If you win tomorrow. Right. That's why, right? You no win. excuses if they win. Yeah. Right. But if, if they lose again tomorrow, I like play, they just that, ex, that exponent goes from a two to a three. You know, it's, it's, it's 1,234 times 1,234 times 1,234 because it just seems to be 
this this desire to make sure that Mac's story is protected. And I get it. I think the fan base wants for him to be successful. But as Bell, I mean, as Parcell says, your record is an indice of who you are. So if you told me that, hey, you know, the Patriots put up a bunch of points and the defense leaked and gave up the game, then we're not having a conversation about Mac Jones. In fact, we're having a micro, a macro conversation about Bill Belichick and his ability to oversee what he oversees best. You can't keep putting the defense. I mean, the defense, I mean, the special teams average starting position for the offense is the 34-yard line. Like, you don't even have to go 75 yards for a touchdown. But like you mentioned earlier in the show, and if you missed any of it, uh, type in Odyssey. The app is free. Uh, Type in WEEI 93.7 to bring you here if you missed any of the show. You'll hear where John said, look, the team is, is having trouble from the 50 to the 20. That means they're only getting you about 17 yards. Right, and and that's been the issue. Like, when they've gotten in the red zone, outside of that bad Mac Jones interception against Miami, they've been pretty good in the red zone, and they've been pretty good before the 50 getting there. It's like there's 30-yard space from the 50 to the 20. They've either had penalties or turnovers or just stuffed runs or sacks. It's like whatever can go wrong in that 30-yard span has gone wrong for this offense. I think it's Mm. a huge area to focus on for tomorrow. So you say 17-14 Patriots. Does that 24 24-13. I'm trying to figure out where do you get the th- – do they miss a two-point conversion? No, the, I think they score a touchdown and two field goals. Touchdown Jets. and two field goals. I don't think they score that much, the Jets. I like it 14-10, Patriots over the Jets. I don't think the Jets are going to be able to move the ball, and the Patriots will be able to move the ball enough. John, man, stay dry. Don't run a 5K tomorrow, right? Because I'm really I concerned. Not, if, I if I get a text from you this week saying I ran another 5K, I'll say, you know what, bro, just go ahead and get your Lululemon, you know, membership, oh. start buying you stretch pants and stuff like that. I'll really start looking at you a bit differently there, bro. Yeah, I promise you I will not do any <laughs> running of any 5Ks or 4Ks or 3Ks tomorrow. And I won't hoard the snacks for my family. I paid the dear price eating too much dairy last week. That's what I get for being a cheap miser. At the real John Lyons, at KJ Carson, at WEEI on the X platform, formerly known as Twitter. Have a great Saturday. Red Sox pregame baseball next. Sox, Red Sox, uh, Red Sox, White Sox at 415. Have a great Saturday. See ya! We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.